I guess we'll start by saying Happy New Year. It's just a few days early. It's coming, but 2018 is almost over, and 2019 is just about here. And I was thinking about that phrase, Happy New Year. Well, what makes for a Happy New Year? Well, I believe a Happy New Year is a year in which we as believers follow Jesus closer than we did the year before. That should be something that we all aspire for. A Happy New Year is a year when we hear God speak to us and we follow what He says to us better than we did the year before. A Happy New Year is a year where we make a bigger impact for God's kingdom. And the Bible affirms that we should be thinking that way, that every year for a believer should get better and better. Proverbs 4.18 says, the path of the righteous, and if you're a believer here today, then you are righteous in God's eyes, is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. You know, the sun arises, and it's, it's kind of dim at dawn, and then it gets brighter and brighter until you have the full heat of the sun at noonday. And that's what the path of the righteous is to be like. Every year, we should shine brighter and brighter. And so we should shine brighter for God in 2019 than we did in 2018. But that is not going to happen Automatically, each one of us has a, has a part to play in how brightly our light shines. Philippians 3, and I encourage you, if you haven't already, to take out the white page in your bulletin. You can follow along there, the outline and the verses. Philippians 3 says, One thing I do, this is Paul writing, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so as Paul writes here, we must forget what lies behind. There's a sense that we need to forget the struggles. We need to forget the sins. Uh, we need to forget the failures of 2018 and press on to what God has for us in 2019, which is to fulfill his purposes for our lives. Now, I believe that as people look to the new year, they, they fall into three different groups with how they approach the new year. Most people, I think, really don't make any meaningful plans for the new year. I was just like, you know, December's over, January comes, and it's kind of the same old thing. And, and for that, uh, for people like that, most likely the new year is going to be pretty much the same as the year before. This next group of people, they make New Year's resolutions. Ever heard of that? Now, some of us are a bit uh, jaded by it. And, uh, but people make New Year's resolutions. Now, sometimes those resolutions aren't from God, or perhaps they are from God, but we don't follow through on them, and the end result is 2019 will be pretty much like 2018. The smallest group of people are those who really listen for God's direction in 2019, and they actually follow through on that direction. And those are the ones who are truly going to be happy in the new year, who are going to make progress on their life goals and whose, whose life, whose path is going to shine brighter and brighter, as the verse in Proverbs says. I'd like us to watch a short video about New Year's resolutions. It's called, What If? Our life is a story. It has a beginning and an end. Each of its volumes are filled with tales of great victory and disappointing failure. But one thing is certain. Those moments shape who we are in the present, and they affect our decisions for the future. 
Many times what stands out from those moments are the failures. Time reveals our numerous unkept resolutions and promises. We resolve to lose those extra pounds, quit that addiction, or become more devout in our faith. But these resolutions often prove difficult to achieve. Perhaps the key to overcoming our struggles lies not in the resolution, but in the motives which drive us. We cannot achieve anything without Christ's guiding hand. His word tells us, whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men. Our success does not come from just one decision to change. It comes from a daily decision to walk with Him. What if today we made a resolution that mattered? What if we resolved to invest more time into our families? To love our neighbor as ourselves? To right our wrongs? To pray not at God, but to God? To give without expectation of receiving? What if we made a resolution to become more like Christ. And today, let us make a resolution to struggle for God's glory and not our own. Even though the future is still unwritten, our story has only just begun. So what if our New Year's resolution were not just about ourselves, but about what God is calling and empowering us to do in the new year. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The message is entitled, Listen for Direction. It's really the final message in our Christmas series. We're going to be looking at what I think is the most ignored person in the whole Christmas story, in all of the Christmas stories, is Joseph. We're going to look at how God spoke to Joseph three times and how Joseph obeyed God's directions. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so there's a promise, a promise that we can claim for the new year. If we need God's wisdom, and we all do, to live our lives in 2019 better than we did in 2018, God says, ask me, and I'm going to give you that wisdom. I'm not going to shame you for asking. I'm not going to think less of you. I'm going to give it to you generously. And so today, I want to motivate each one of us, encourage each one of us to ask God for His direction in the new year in 2019 and then follow that direction. And so we're going to look at three different areas in which we need to listen for God to speak to us with respect to the new year. First is listen for relationships to build. Now, the very first time that God spoke to Joseph was about his relationship with Mary. Joseph had just learned that Mary was pregnant. And, of course, he assumed that it happened by some other man and that she had been unfaithful to him in their engagement and he was going to quietly divorce her. He didn't know all the facts. And so God spoke to Joseph, Matthew 1.20, as he considered these things, namely divorcing his wife or his, his fiancée, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to Joseph and said, no, it's not another man. It is through the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, I've often wondered, I mean, what was Joseph's part to play? I mean, he had nothing to do with Jesus being born. Uh, Mary, in theory, could have raised him as a single mom. But that was not God's plan. God wanted Jesus to have a father figure in the family. It was important, it was imperative that Joseph would marry Mary and the two of them would love one another and raise Jesus in God's way. And so it was important for Joseph to build this marriage relationship with Mary and not to divorce her and Joseph follow God's direction. And a godly marriage is a important foundation to raise children who walk with God. Uh, if you're raising children as a single parent, you can do it with God's support and the support of a church family. But what relationships does God want you to build in the coming year? And how does he want you to do it? Those are things we need to ask for God's wisdom in. Ask him and he'll tell you. Perhaps you have a marriage to strengthen. If, if you're married, God wants you to concentrate on building your relationship with your spouse this year. Generally speaking, if you're not building a relationship with your spouse and it's getting better, what's most likely happening? It's probably getting worse. It's pretty hard to be. You're either going forward or you're going backward. And so we need to continually work on our marriage relationship. The marriage relationship is foundational to all of our other relationships. And, and marriages are under attack in many different ways in our society, in our time. Ephesians 5.33 says, Let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So that's just one verse of many in the Bible about building a marriage relationship. And we see there's something for both the husband and the wife to work on. Now, our tendency is, say for me, as a husband, I say, well, I'm going to make sure my wife respects me. That seems obvious to me, right? It says it right there. So my job is to make sure that she respects me. But if you're a wife here this morning, you look at that verse and you say, I'm going to make sure that my husband loves me more than he loves himself, which is obvious he loves himself. So he need to love me too. So I'm going to make sure that he loves me. But our resolution shouldn't be about our spouse. They should be about ourselves. And so I need to look at myself Say, how can God help me to love my wife better? If you're a wife here this morning, say, God, how can you help me to respect my husband better? And as we allow God to work in our own lives, God is going to strengthen our marriages in the new year. Other relationships. Uh, children to teach. Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, you shall teach them, and this context is God's commands, diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And so the primary responsibility to teach children in God's ways rests not with the church. The church has a place to play, but the primary responsibility rests with the parents. The church is not there in the morning, uh, in the day, and in the night, but you as a parent are there uh, much more. And so parents are to teach their children God's word. Uh, 
all through the day, all the times that you're with them, God's word should come into play. In order to do that, what do you as a parent have to know? You have to know God's word yourself. Or you can be learning it along with your children, but it's your responsibility to teach them. And not only to teach them what God's word says, but to encourage and train them in their own relationship with God. The most important thing is to lead your child into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then help them to grow in that so that they can read God's word for themselves, they can pray on a regular basis, and they can grow themselves. Each child needs to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have grandchildren, then Lord willing, you can have input into their lives. Now, not as much as your own children, but God can give you input into their lives uh, as well in the new year. And ask God how you can do that, how you can best do that. The last relationship I want to talk about is to build is uh, lost people to love. First Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, of course, in the Bible, people who are not yet believers are called lost because they're lost to God. Uh, they're not yet found by him. And so how do lost people find Jesus? Well, somebody has to tell them. Uh, that's what the Bible makes really clear. That is the most general way that people learn about Jesus. Uh, in the vast majority of cases, somebody has to take the time, has to make the effort to tell people about Jesus. Now, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to tell somebody else about Jesus? We've you know, we found Jesus and, you know, we're going to heaven, so why bother about anybody else, right? Robert, don't nod yes. It's like, no, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> okay, so, uh, okay. First of all, God commands us to do it, okay? If we love God, he commands us to tell other people. Uh, we found something wonderful in Jesus Christ in he commands us to tell others. It's good news. We want to tell other people the good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Secondly, God calls us to love lost people as he does. He died for us when we were lost. That's how much he loves us. And so we uh, can take the, make the effort with his help to reach out to lost people around us. We want them to discover what life with Jesus is like in this life. And what it's going to be like in eternity, spending eternity with God forever and ever. And so ask God how you can grow in loving lost people, how you can grow in being a witness for him in the year 2019. All of us know lost people. I guarantee you, you know people that don't know Jesus Christ. Some people you think are believers may not be, and you've never talked to them enough to really know. It might be relatives, it might be children, it might be friends, it might be neighbors, it might be workmates. And God wants us to break through the barriers, find out who knows God and who doesn't, and pray and be a witness to those who need him. And so the uh, first thing that God spoke to Joseph was about building his relationship with Mary important priority in our life is building these different relationships of our marriage, our children, and uh, lost friends. 
Secondly, we need to listen for dangers to avoid. After Jesus had been born, Joseph needed further direction from God about the future. Matthew 2.13 says, when they had departed, which is the wise men, uh, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so this direction from God by the angel was about a danger to avoid. King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. And so Joseph obeyed immediately, got up in the night, took Mary and Jesus and traveled to a distant country of Egypt. Because King Herod had just given the command that every baby boy in Bethlehem, two years old and under, should be killed. And there was no way that Joseph could have known about that command before the soldiers knocked on his door without the angel warning him about this danger. And so God warns us of dangers in our lives. Uh, might be physical dangers. It might be things that might affect our spiritual lives. He warns us of dangers in our lives, and we must listen to be kept safe through His power. Dangers to avoid. Second, uh, dangers to avoid are what I call health hazards. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, just because we're believers and we have eternal life, that doesn't mean that our bodies are unimportant. Uh, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and our instruction here is we are to glorify God in our bodies. In fact, our bodies are not really our own. We think of them as our own, but they're, they've been bought by, we've been bought, it says, with a price, which was the death of Jesus Christ. And so our bodies, we need to take care of. And things that damage our physical bodies are dangers that we need to avoid. Many popular habits are hazardous to our health. Well known, right? Overeating, smoking, drug and alcohol abuse, lack of exercise. All these things are hazardous to our health. On the positive side, Eating healthy, regular exercise, they contribute to healthy bodies that uh, uh, glorify God. And so we honor God, we bring blessing as we take care of our God-given bodies. Another danger to avoid is uh, persons that we need to, I said, pass up. We'll, we will uh, say what that means in a minute. But 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. The people that you hang around with, whether it is in person or whether it is electronically, have an influence on your life. Some people think, no, it doesn't. Well, they do have an influence. And some people are dangerous. Uh, the people that you hang around with, the friends you have, influence you. They can influence you for good or for bad. And so God warns us to pass up on people who pull us away from God. And God will show you if there's someone or a group of people who are bad company, as referred to in this verse. 
bad company who are pulling you away from God. Now, sometimes believers uh, fall into the deception that I'm going to hang out with this bad company of people because I'm going to be a witness and I'm going to win them to the Lord. Well, you have to be very, very careful about that uh, because oftentimes it works the other way and the crowd of bad company will pull you away from God rather than you pulling them closer to God. Now, when Jesus sent out his disciples, did he send them out one by one? And there's a reason. He sent them out two by two. And so if you want to be a witness to some bad company, I hate to say this, but the Mormons get it right, okay? When they come to your door, how many are there? It's always two. There's a lot of things they get wrong, okay? So, but anyhow, <clears throat> if you want to be a witness to a bad company, whether it's one person or a group, be sure to take along a believing friend. It's going to spare you a lot of uh, pain and trouble by doing that. If you're not sure about somebody or some group, what impact they're having on you, ask God to show you whether they're drawing you closer to Him or they're pulling you away. And if the effect is negative, choose to spend less time. I mean, sometimes you can't completely get away from somebody. You work with them every day or something, but there's a way that uh, you can avoid the danger there, that bad company, wouldn't ruin your good morals. The last danger to we want to avoid and talk about today is entertainment to eliminate. In the year 2019, I guarantee we're going to have more ways to be entertained than in the history of the world. Uh, most of those ways, you don't even have to leave your home anymore. Uh, and... Uh, <clears throat> Due to the wonders of the internet and cable television and, you know, increasingly it's just smartphones, you can bring any kind of entertainment uh, into your life, uh, into your eyes, into your mind, into your ears, whether it's good or bad. Psalm 101 verse 2 says, I'll walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And if we want to have integrity with God, if we want our lights to shine brighter and brighter in 2019, these verses tell us that we shall not watch anything that's worthless. Now, he's talking about within our own house. You know, that's in the a privacy where nobody else can really see. And, uh, you know, in these days, it used to be, you know, in a television, you had the television, other people could see it, you're watching. Now you got your phone, nobody knows what you're doing, right? I mean, you can have your phone at work and nobody knows what you're doing if you're careful about it. And so, we shouldn't watch anything worthless. Uh, here it's talking about the work of those who fall away. Worthless things are created by those who are falling away from God. And God wants us to hate worthless entertainment. He doesn't want us to set it before our eyes or... Hear it with our ears. For if we do watch it, what does it say at the end of this verse? It's going to cling to us. It's going to impact us. It's going to affect us. It's going to defile us. It's going to draw us away from God. Now, some entertainment is not really wrong in and of itself, other than it's just a massive time waster. Right? Say, well, there's nothing wrong with this. I only spend eight hours a day doing it, but there's nothing wrong with it. 
well, maybe there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself, but it may draw us away from other things that God is calling us to do. Or neglect, or I'm not sure what to say. Sometimes if I get too specific, I offend people. <clears throat> but anyhow, gaming for young men is a thing that the games may be nothing wrong with it, but spending hours and hours a, a day on games pulls us away from things that God has for us, relationships, the other things that he wants us to do. Other entertainment is directly defiling, and it causes our minds to think, uh, sinful thoughts. And so take control of your television, your phone, your computer. Um, use blocking technology, accountability software. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Uh, it's important uh, to do those things in today's world. Listen for dangers to avoid. Finally, listen for opportunities to embrace. The third time that God spoke to Joseph was after the danger had passed. Uh, Herod had died, and God spoke to him about the next move, about an opportunity, uh, the direction that God wanted him to move in. Matthew 2.19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. That's where they had fled to, saying, rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And so Joseph obeyed immediately. He left Egypt. He went back to Israel when he arrived wasn't quite sure where to go, but God showed him exactly where to live in the town of Nazareth. And so not only are there dangers to avoid in the new year, there are opportunities to embrace. In order to hear God about those opportunities, we need to listen for his direction. And how are we going to grow in hearing God in all of these areas? How are we going to grow in that in the new year? Well, we need to build our relationship, not only with people, we need to build our relationship with God. And the first way is simply by spending daily time with God. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so as a believer, we live spiritually, we grow spiritually. I mean, what happens when we eat bread, when we eat food? We grow. Uh, and a believer Grow spiritually by feeding on God's Word. God's Word is written down for us in the Bible. And yet the Greek word for word in this, in this verse is, is rhema. And rhema means the Word of God directly spoken to us through the Holy Spirit. And so the rhema Word of God will never contradict the Logos Word of God, which is written down on the pages of the Bible. But as we spend time with God, reading the written word and praying to God, God will speak to us by his spirit. He will apply the words in the Bible to our specific situation in our lives. And that's where we need to grow in learning to hear his voice. And as we said, the things that God speaks to us directly by his spirit will never contradict what's written in the Bible, what's written in the written word of God. And so the more that we know the written word of God, the better we'll be able to discern when God is speaking to us or we're, when we're just making something up, which happens to all of us. When you don't spend regular time with God, you'll be more apt to miss his voice completely or to mistake your own thoughts for God's voice. It's incredibly important. Some people think it's not so important. 
you know, I come to church on Sunday, and, you know, that's really all I need. That's not all you need. You need daily, you need to eat food daily. You need God's word daily. That's what this verse is uh, writing about. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread. That bread refers not only to physical food, but to the daily bread of the word of God. And I read recently, uh, it just seems like there's a, an epidemic of, of pastors falling away from God. I mean, if you read, you know, this pastor fell away and this pastor fell away. And people done a study. You know, you'd think, why would pastors fall away and get involved in affairs and all kinds of other things? And why would that happen? And as they studied what went on in the pastor's life before that happened, there was one thing that was always the same. And the pastors, even though they were preaching every Sunday, were not spending time alone with God for themselves on a daily basis. They stopped praying. They stopped reading God's word. They just kind of manufactured something for Sunday. And eventually they fell away from God. And so that's true not just of them. It's true of all of us. And it, the reason it's hard, the reason it's a battle for many people, the reason all kinds of things come up to distract you, to... Uh, cause you to forget, cause you to have no time for God, is because the devil doesn't want you to spend time with God each and every day. So I encourage you to spend at least 15 minutes a day of quiet time reading God's Word and praying. Really, that's, that's really a bare minimum. Most believers can organize their time to spend 30 to 60 minutes a day with God to see you progress in your spiritual, in your spiritual walk. And I think most likely if all of us were careful to analyze our day, we do waste at least 60 minutes a day doing things that are unessential that we could spend with God. Not only do we need a personal time with God, we need to be part of a weekly team with God. Christianity is, is really like a team sport. You can't really succeed in it alone. You need a church team to be part of. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, there's a disturbing trend in American churches uh, of people doing exactly what this verse warns against, neglecting to meet together. People are now calling themselves regular church attenders who come to church once or twice a month. Uh, if something interests them or, you know, arises that they'd rather do, they do that rather than come to church. And I realize certain people have jobs and we understand that. And you pray and then over time God will, God will help you to make a way uh, for you to be more regular. But we understand the job situation. But people... <clears throat> um, According to this verse, what is lost when believers neglect to meet together? What is lost is, is this encouragement, encouragement that you would have received. But secondly, encouragement that you would have given to other people. You see, you are encouraging other people just by being here. You are encouraging, and there's other ways you can do it. You can actually speak to people. You can pray with people. Uh, you can minister on Sunday mornings. You can bring encouragement to other people and build up the body of Christ. So church is not just what we get out of it, it's what we can contribute to it. And so church should be a top priority in the new year. 
And God will bless us, and we encourage other people to make it a top priority as well. Now, there are two types of church teams that I believe are essential for, for spiritual growth. The first is the Sunday service. You're here this morning. It's a place where we worship God. Uh, we hear from God's Word. The children are taught. We pray for one another. The uh, second is our weekly small group Bible studies. They meet at, at various times. Uh, the Sunday morning service, whether it's this size or the, if they're you know, in a big church, there are thousands of people. They're the same thing. It's mainly communication from one to many, right? We don't have a lot of interaction, uh, and that's, that's what's most efficient for this type of meeting. But in smaller groups, you can discuss. You can ask questions. Uh, you can pray for one another. You can hear requests from everybody in the group, prayer requests. And those are very important for accountability. If you start to stray from God, don't show up at your small group meeting. Somebody's going to call you. Say, how are you doing? Some people don't like that, but it's important. Helps you to avoid danger. So I encourage everyone to become part of a weekly small group in 2019. And if you look through the list and nothing seems to work for you, call me. Tell me, I'd really like to be a part of a small group, but it, the times or the locations or whatever don't work for me. And we'll pray and we'll say maybe God will open something else up that'll work for you because we really want everybody to be involved in a small group. So listen to God for opportunities to embrace in 2019. And so we've looked at how God spoke to Joseph in three areas, the area of relationships, the area of dangers and opportunities. And I think those are some key areas that God wants to speak to each one of us in the new year in 2019. And so I've given you a number of examples. God may speak to you in a completely different area for the new year. But I encourage you to take that outline home. Uh, it's written out for you. Look over it, pray over it, and see, uh, mark the areas that you think God is giving you direction in. And then ask Him for specifics for your situation, the steps that you need to take in each of those areas. Because God wants your light to shine brighter in 2019 than it did in 2018. And as you submit yourself, as you submit your plans to God, He is going to direct your steps and you will have a happy new year. Which that's what I wish for all of us. This morning, the most important thing for each of us to have a happy new year is to make sure that we're a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, if you've never put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give an opportunity and one of the reasons I do that, almost every Sunday we have somebody here that's not a believer, but even if we don't, you know if you bring somebody, they're going to hear a presentation of the gospel. Every Sunday, they have an opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. To become a believer, you simply admit that you've sinned. You choose to believe in Jesus and ask Him to forgive your sins and you commit your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask us now to bow our heads. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ in this last Sunday of 2018, or if you'd like to recommit your life, pray along with me something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my plans for my life rather than yours. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross that I might be forgiven. I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. 
for doing just that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.